you are stuck in the grind and don't know how to get moving, if you have lost your dream or struggled to know how to make it happen, if you have been dreaming of changing the world, but you're not sure where to start, the Add Valued Entrepreneurs podcast will help you transform your life with tools, knowledge, and support that will allow you to create a thriving business that aligns with your values and goals. This podcast is for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from the work they do so they can live the life they desire. You deserve it. It is possible. This show features interviews with people who have already created success in their lives and businesses and stories about everyday people living extraordinary lives. It's time for you to add value. I'm so excited about today's guest, Gary Barnes. Gary is the Breakthrough Business Mastery Coach, a high-performance business and sales strategist, popular national and international speaker with over 1,000 talks, award-winning number one international Amazon best-selling author. He's published nine books, and he's been featured in many outlets, including the Boston Globe, LA Daily News, the Miami Herald, and he's also been a TEDx speaker. The list goes on, and I will let him share more about his amazingness. Well, Gary, thank you so much for joining me today and being willing to to jump in and share your wisdom. Well, yeah, it's always a pleasure. And, you know, it's always interesting when, you know, you look at the word wisdom, you know, what is wisdom is really about experience and what that experience has taught you. So, you know, hopefully the older we get, the wiser we are. <laughs> I'd like to think that's the direction I'm moving. Yes. So, Gary, I, I know that you're, you consider yourself a serial entrepreneur. You've kind of been had entrepreneurship in your life, basically your entire life. Would you share that a little bit? You know, I, I'm a weird background because early on my education was in psychology and theology. And I have always said I argued with myself from a very early age. And in the pastoral role, I was a square pig in a round hole because I asked a lot of questions. And so obviously from there, I went into real estate, spent nine years in real estate in Southern California, where, you know, the people look at the markets at different times as being bad, good, right or wrong. And back then, uh, we were having in, uh, appreciation at $1,000 a week with the average home at $30,000. But at that price, the interest rates were 21%. And then you had a 10% points back in the day that so the first year cost of a loan was 31%. And then I really saw the need for a more inclusive process. So I created one of the very first financial planning firms in the country, before there was an industry called financial planning, I was one of the initiators, wow. uh, built that to the top 3% in production over the next 30 years. And in the middle of that career, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in 1988, was told I would be dead or in a wheelchair in 10 years. Uh, obviously, I don't like certain <laughs> concepts either, because I'm still here, um, and sold that practice about 15, 16 years ago. And people kept asking me how I built my businesses to such a high level so quickly. And so I did the proverbial, buy me a hamburger, and I'll tell you all my secrets. And it just evolved into an international coaching practice. Uh, I produce uh, uh, programs. I produce multi-day events. I'm an international speaker. Uh, the one thing that I never thought that I really would be is an author. And I'm credited with 11 books now. And, it, you know, it, it's um, just been an interesting journey. I, I really believe I'm the kid next door. And if I can do it, anybody can do it. Oh, I love that if, if you if that idea that if I can do it, anybody can do it because um, I consider myself a dream recovery specialist. That's the title I don't I don't put on my card. But um, you know, we get these ideas and these dreams, and the first thing that happens is our brain says, "Oh no, that's not for you." Right? The voice in our head tells us, "You know, oh, I don't think you can do that," and we give up. You know, before we ever start. Yeah. And uh, so I, I like I like that um, you mentioned um, you mentioned MS and I'm a I'm a huge advocate of, of the power of our mind. I'm a huge advocate of, of our mind's ability to heal. And and I'm I'm super frustrated with 
experts that show up in a white coat and tell us what the future has to be. And, and so many people believe that white coat with such strength. Um, what are your thoughts on, on that? You know, it, it, it's a concept that I don't believe, or I believe, let me put it this way, uh, like science and religion. I believe they can live in the same room, just like I believe in holistic medicine as well as traditional medicine. But, you know, the interesting is when you talk to a doctor, uh, they're practicing medicine. <laughs> so it is very much of an art. And in my family, my oldest son and his wife are both chiropractors. My youngest son's wife is a traditional OB doc. And, and so it's really interesting at the you know dinner table around the holidays. But for me, it's we have been given a, a magnificent body that has a not the, just the potential, but the design to re invent to recreate itself we know that every second a billion liver cells just died and a, a billion liver cells were just created and so when people ask me how did i heal myself i said i didn't heal myself i rewired myself because i went numb from the neck down lost the ability to write lost the ability to walk i couldn't feel anything and so i used the process of visualization and you know the the title of what uh, in the first book was how a beaver saved my life and really it, it was a visualization of beavers which is kind of strange because you can see eagles the eagles are my animal guide um beavers are a rodent but they actually did save my life and and so it really is going beyond the obstacle going beyond and in fact I never have used the story of the MS to be an MS story. I've used it as an adversity story. And because of that, that's why I get, you know, asked to speak on so many different stages. TEDx actually called me to do the Beaver story. And so it is a process that we all have adversity. So what do we do with it? What is the action? It's not what I wanted, but this is the situation I had. So what was I going to do with it? Well, absolutely. And that's, you know, the story we tell ourselves is, is as important as the story that the world sees or that we perceive. Yeah, absolutely. So I like, I like that you don't tell it as an MS story, but you tell it as an adversity story and, and, and getting over that adversity. Well, and you know, the other thing organically, and somehow I just instinctively knew not to do this, I never owned the illness. I've always said I was diagnosed with, if you notice, with MS in 1988. I've never said uh, anything around had or you know any of that ownership because the brain doesn't know. And if you own a situation, whether it be monetary relationships, uh, you know anything that we deal with in, in an adversity realm, you have programmed the brain to accept that reality. And for me, I wanted to program and a, a possibility. And so, you know, when, when we do that, we open up all kinds of different scenarios that are, are already there. But if we don't open it up for us to realize they're there, they'll go to waste. They'll just go on to someone else. Uh, that is so powerful, right? Like, it's so quick to say, you know, I have cancer, I have this and 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 it becomes a part of your identity. And, right. and you're right, your brain, your brain just accepts it rather than say, you know, I've been diagnosed. That's so powerful. Yeah, that really it reflects into every area of our life. If we say, you know, I'm poor, I'm broke, I, I am not lovable, I I am somehow, you know, inferior to someone else. I don't the 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 number one negative beliefs that I have found in the world, because I have coaching clients in eight different countries, is that I don't deserve. Ooh. And that was in put onto us by an external source, because they wanted to control us in some way. But when we really realize that I deserve as much as anyone else, and it's about a process of receiving, not a process of creating a scenario or how to 
you know, somehow overcome an objection to get you to do what I want you to do. When we open ourselves up to receiving, it can come from any source in oh. any area. So, so powerful. <laughs> so powerful. So obviously the, the hamburger, the hamburger connection, right? Share your share your expertise over a hamburger. When when did you realize the value that that expertise had and decide to make it into a business? You know, it was interesting because I was, uh, you know, making a lot of money. I was receiving a lot of money from my financial planning practice, and I didn't need to charge people. And I had a referral source that had never met me, by the way, but they kept referring people to me because they had met one of my former clients. And they called me one day and said, we're never going to refer another person to you. And I went, what did I do? And they said, you're not charging. And I went, what are you talking about? They go, you have such great information. You're making the impact, but they have no skin in the game. So they're not implementing what you're giving them. And I, I transitioned that, that belief into my practice to where I use money, which in particularly the uh, industrialized countries of the world, money is seen as the most valuable asset we have. And in my belief, it isn't. It's time. Time is mo the most valuable asset. And so, uh, you know, I use money as a litmus test, whether or not that individual is ready to implement what I have to offer. And so it's when we have, and I know that a lot of us in what I would consider the uh, the heart-centered, even though it's business, it's heart-centered. We care about people. We want to make a difference. And if we have more skin in the game, if we have more invested in the process than the person we're working with, it's never going to work. But at the same time, we have to be in a process with them in their timing. So as we have this coordination, then we find the right fit, not whether the opportunity is good, bad, right, or wrong, but is it the right fit? Is it the right timing? Does this opportunity take me towards or away from my ultimate vision? Which also leads then to another challenge. Do we have a really vivid vision that's clear? Why are you doing what you're doing? What is the end result? For me, going back to the MS story was going to my 100th birthday party where I'm skydiving. I do weird things, by the way. You know, <laughs> I don't think I'm an adrenaline junkie. I'm really not. I'm an experienced junkie. Uh, and so it's, but I went past the obstacle. I went past the, I wanted to see my kids grow up. They were seven and nine. I wanted to go to their high school graduation, see them go to college, get married, and now play with my grandchildren. I didn't want to be a memory. I didn't want to be that guy in the wheelchair or in the corner in a rocking chair. Well, don't bother grandpa or, you know, poppy as I'm called. You know, it's like, poppy, let's go roller coastering. You know, and we do. You know, it just, I got crazy grandchildren. <laughs> much of the chagrin of their mothers at times. I'm the one that goes, let's go jump off something. But the thing is, is that I wanted to not just, you know, exist. I wanted to experience life. I wanted to, it's not the amount of years that we have. It's the quality of years that we have. And so we, we have this weird sensation that it has to look a certain particular way. It isn't. One of my Garyisms, and I, I didn't create that word, by the way, that my clients did and my people <laughs> that heard me speak, you keep saying this, it's a Garyism, uh, it is life is a solo journey traveled with many. Hmm. And so we all have this synergistic ability, but what's right for me probably is not right for you, or it could be, but at a different timing. And so it's about understanding what our journey is and then connecting with others that we can support in their journey as well as that symbiotic relationship as well. Oh, that's touch touch my heart in a lot of places. I, I I definitely love that. And and for me, it's helping entrepreneurs, you know, recognize the value of their story, right? You have a gift that the world needs to hear. And and if you put that gift out there, whether it's I can fix plumbing, I can you know, mow lawns, I can, I can coach people. If you put that gift out there, you, you get compensated for it. You get, you get rewarded for it. And, and, and helping just people just realize that I think every human being was created with something inside them that's of value to others. And, and that's that community aspect that we were really created to help and serve each other. 
Well, you know, and the challenge is what we see as ordinary, others see as extraordinary. Because what we are good at, we are, it's like it's effortless. It's like when I come on a program, I rarely have notes. I have performed weddings. I have my TEDx, you know, being on TV, radio, all my other talks. I've given over a thousand talks. Very rarely do I have any notes because I'm in my core. I don't have to prepare. I don't have what I'm going to say. People will ask me after I get done with a, a particular event. I go, I go, I have no idea. Ask somebody that was there. Because if I know how it went, then I'm not listening. I'm not taking in that energy from the room to know what it is to be able to present to them that's relevant to them. I have uh, coined a phrase, the nudge. And often when I'm you know, doing a talk, I'll hear a story or I'll have a concept pop into my mind. And I've learned to honor the nudge because I truly believe that we're a conduit of information. You'll say, well, that was brilliant. And I go, well, I was smart to listen, but then I honored the, the nudge to be able to share it. And almost always, someone will come up and say, that story made a difference in my life. Yeah, I love that honor the nudge. The the experience junkie, I, I definitely love that. You you actually have motivated me to add a, a dream back onto my, onto my vision, um, manifestation future. And... Uh, um, as a kid, I always wanted to fly jets. I wanted to be a, wanted to go in the Air Force and, and be a fighter pilot. And uh, when I enlisted in the Marine Corps, I found out I needed glasses. And at the time, that was a disqualification to flying jets. And I, I let go of that dream just you know, pretty quickly. And uh, so now as an adult, I'm like, all right, sometime, somewhere, I'm going to fly a jet. And I know that you flew something pretty amazing um as part of your experience junkie journey oh yeah i i had the the privilege of flying a world war ii p-51 uh fighter and we did all the acrobatics and i flew with a former f-16 pilot and uh it was one of those perfect days in florida where cumulus clouds and we were doing things i, I shouldn't say this I, we we stayed within yeah we'll just leave it at that uh but you know it, it's Again, the experience and people said, well, how did you get to do that? Number one, I have planted it in my, I, I create or created a system called death statements and how to reboot your brain for success, how to input into your subconscious the things to be able to see the opportunities that are already there. And I saw this on a in-flight magazine to where I could go to Kissimmee, Florida and fly this, you know, P-51. And so they said, how did you do it? I said, I wrote a check. <laughs> and it went down and yeah, I have some ground score. But you know, for me, I love flying, but because of the diagnosis of MS, I am not going to fly by myself. Because if I was to have an immediate episode, if I went where I couldn't see, I couldn't feel, I, I'm not just putting myself at risk, I'm putting those in the air and possibly on the ground at risk. And so I will fly because I flew the plane, but I will fly with somebody else in case there was something that did happen. So it's not about, you know, it's the workaround. How do I want it? Like I race cars and if people say, well, you know, there was a point where I wanted a Lamborghini in the garage. And, and then I realized I would never be able to drive the Lamborghini on the road like I did on the racetrack. So why did I want that? I wanted the experience instead of the ownership. The ownership is about impressing other people and nobody else cares. Oh. And, you know, it, it's like, no, I, I just, again, it goes back to, you know, I'm Mikey. If Mikey can do it, anybody can do it. And I want them to see me as an example, having permission to engage in life, to put those things. By the way, um, if you go uh, seek out uh, flying jets and Google, you can find that, I believe, in um, New Mexico. Uh, you can fly a MiG. You can fly uh, some other, uh, you know, older jets down there. So it, it, it's within your realm. Just go down and do it. There, no time like the present. That's right. Well, I actually have, I actually have Googled it. And uh, at, at the time, they had MiG-29 flights, but those were in Russia. <laughs> and, and, of course, these are here in the States. Yeah, we'll have to find some some local, too. So it's it's definitely going to happen. There's there's no no doubt. Um, I, I'm kind of an experienced junkie. I've skydived. I've 
bungee jumped, um, love race cars. Although for me, it's, uh, my wife did the NASCAR experience. So she, she got to drive 150 miles an hour and then they ran out of time. So I have this credit waiting for me to go to a NASCAR track and, and get to drive that. And so we're waiting to make that happen, but lots of ways that we've manifested our, uh, experiences. So love, love that. Love, love the example. Um, so thank you for, thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Uh, you, you mentioned community, obviously you transitioned your business from, you know, being a financial advisor to being, you know, almost like a business coach, expert, speaker, trainer. Um, how has connection helped you make that transition? You know, connection is the, it, it, I, in all of my businesses, there's one word that has, I think, been the stimulus for success, and that is relationships. Uh, there's three things that I teach for anyone to be successful in anything, particularly in business. And the first key is to be seen. If you're the best kept secret, nobody knows you're there, build it and they will come is a lie. <laughs> uh, no matter what you see on TV or what GoDaddy says, you know, 995, build a website and your cash register will start. No. And this is where having permission to be seen. And for a lot of people, they just don't see themselves as presentable. And really, they get, people just want real people. They want to know you're there. They want to be able to see you. They want to be able to experience who you are as a human being. And so you don't have to have all this glitz and glamour and yeah, you, you stay in your core, but be seen in that core. And the second thing is to be safe. And this is where relationship really gets into the, what I call the glue, because to be safe means no agenda. Coming on and having this discussion with you today, you know, there is absolutely no, no agenda outside of the relationship. I don't know who's going to be able to see this maybe 5, 10, 15 years from now, 20 years from now, and be able to say, that's the one thing that I was looking for. That's the, the thing that I was missing. And so now we all have an agenda to create business and to have revenue come in, to be able to stay in business and all that. But if we have an agenda to convert then, we, and actually I had one of my clients a couple of years ago call me and he goes, how do I convert faster? I said, well, let me ask you a question. And my clients always know when I say that they're in trouble. So <laughs> let me ask you a question. Are you asking me how to get somebody to do what you want them to do when you want them to do it, not in their timing? And he goes, oh, oh, what do I do? I go, expand your relationships, expand your sphere, expand the connections. And so to be safe, you become literally a people magnet. Really know that you want to know their story. And right before we started recording, I, I said this, that Will Rogers had a saying that I have adopted my entire life is that there are no strangers, just friends that I have not met yet. Mm. And when I meet somebody, I want to know their story. I want to know their essence. I want to know their passion, pain, whatever, whatever they're willing to share. And what is strange about this, you got to be prepared for it. When they really perceive that you're there without an agenda, they're going to tell you more than you want to know. Many times it's TMI. <laughs> and they'll start talking about personal things. And you're going, why are you telling me this? Sometimes people actually say, I don't know why I'm sharing this. And they keep on talking. <laughs> but it really is an indicator that you've gone through a door. You've been invited through a door because you're safe. The third key is to be relevant. And relevant is not just that you have a product or service, something to that you have to offer that is needed. It's also that your avatar, your perfect client, sees it as also a desire. They want it. And when I deal with health professionals, uh, I ask this question, do Americans want to be healthy? And almost always they say, absolutely, yes, they do. I go, so let me ask you a second question. If that's a true statement, why is McDonald's the number one restaurant in America? What do Americans want? Fast, tastes good, and cheap. And it's not even cheap anymore, really. But <laughs> they, they want that, that convenience. When do Americans want to be healthy? When they're sick. And so they go, well, how do I have to change? I have to wait. No, 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 no. But we have to change the ability for them to see the benefit of it 
before they're sick so they can enjoy and not have to go through some of the pain and struggles and heartache that that could lead to. And that really is a, a combination in any business, any industry. And so having those three things really leads to the connection and to have that ability to build the relationship and be able to be a resource. What I've told my clients forever is that if you don't know where to go to solve a particular problem, call me. If I don't know where to send you to immediately, I'm usually one phone call away from knowing where to be able to, to refer you. And by the way, I always add this, and by the way, I don't take a referral fee. And I do that specifically because I want them to know I'm not doing it because I'm going to get something out of it. Hmm. It's because of the value of the referral. And so it, it makes it for me, I know, Obviously, some of us, you know, there are elements where we have an affiliate arrangement with people where you have a business connection, but you disclose that. But for the most part, I, I, I don't need to be able to nickel and dime to be able to be a resource. And so people call me for all kinds of things. Absolutely. I love that connecting people and, and, and just putting the right people together can, can have such a huge impact. Um, and, and, I also love that, you know, when giving people the chance to share, you know, what's happening in their life. Um, I definitely understand. Um, I spent 20 years as a pastor as well. And, and, and uh, so I love to ask questions and I love to, to get to know people and, and just learn their stories. Right. Like, um, and so definitely identify with, you know, get down to the nitty gritty. And, and I've heard it. In fact, just today, someone says, I don't know why I'm telling you this. <laughs> so uh, very familiar with yeah. <laughs> and and for me, and, and actually she in this case she was embarrassed. And I'm like, you have nothing to be embarrassed about. I A, I've got your back. I'm not I'm not gonna tell anyone. And and B, let's let's figure out what's going on, right? Let's let's how can I help you? And 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 there's no money involved in, in this case. And and I just want to help her if if it's a connection I can make for her or if it's you know, a problem I can solve for her, but, but, you know, she's, she's struggling and just needs somebody to, and I think listening is the, the, the long lost art in our country and especially in business because business gets so caught up in, and make the sale, make the sale, got to you know generate the revenue that, that listening feels like, Oh, we don't have time for that. And, and uh, <laughs> it's so much more important than, than, than the time you commit to it. Well, People think you can think and listen at the same time, and literally you can't. And so if I'm not listening, then I call it active listening, because it's listening with intent to understand. And so the, the analogy I use is when you go to a movie, particularly at a movie theater, where it's dark, and all of a sudden you become a part of that experience. You're, you're putting yourself inside of the movie. And when you're with someone, it's also that type of experience where you're nothing else matters nothing else is around you and so you are there totally for that person and when they really perceive that you become safe and yeah it, it's, it's a it's a humbling but we do it without judgment and when people really understand that you're not there to convince to control to you know degrade in any way that's so unusual today that People just are starved for that. And I think of nothing else, we all have the ability to listen, not to solve. I, I've been married 47 years. And I had to learn a long time ago that I, my job is not to tell my wife something and to instruct her. She's a very strong lady. Um, but it's also there to listen. And in the male-female roles, most of the time where we as a gender have a tendency to want to go in and fix something. And my wife just spent in August 30 or 21 days out of 31 days in August in the hospital. Mm. And she started out with COVID and then went back into the hospital with pneumonia connected with COVID. And it was a very frustrating time for me, but it really was made much easier because I knew I couldn't do anything. All I could do is be a support, do the things that were you know, helpful to her, to be there for her. And there, there was nothing quote, to do. I couldn't fix it. And when we give up that need to fix, then we can actually be relevant in people's lives. 
Wow, you and I have a similar experience. My wife was in the hospital 13 days <laughs> in August, and uh, she had two two major surgeries in that time. And of course, it was completely out of my control. Um, and I learned after the fact that you know her survival rate was was right at 40 percent, 45 percent survival rate. And it's like, but I, but I, you know, my daughter I called and was she's kind of freaked out what can we do? And I was like, we can't do anything. The experts are doing it, right? The guy that's the best in the world in, in, in Denver right now is the one that's doing the surgery. And so he's the one that has to do it, right? We just have to, we just have to trust the process. And, yes. uh, and so I, I definitely understand surrendering to the process. And uh, I was able to pick up some new roles around the house now. So I, uh, Oh, that's I, my, I, I, you know, I told my wife a couple of days ago, I go, this is, you know, I'm really toasted because now you know I know how to do some of these things. <laughs> yep. I've, I've done the dishes and I vacuum and, and I've done the laundry. It's like, I even figured out how to run the washing machine, which you think the computer's hard to figure out. This new oh. technology in the washing machine is like, why are there 32 buttons on the washing machine? I don't understand. I feel you. I, I I'm right there with you, man. So so definitely shared experience. But um, for me, it's it's helping people give up the outcome. Yeah. Right. And focus on the process. I I've asked people, you know, because people want to control and they focus on results. And the thing when we release you know, what you're saying, the outcome, when we release the need to control the results and realize the only thing that we can impact is our activity. The things that we plant seeds, the, the harvest is gonna come no matter what, but we don't know what I call the gestation period, how long it will come with any kind of connection or product or service, or you know, everybody's timing is a little bit different. But when we, and the, the strange thing in business training, everybody is looked at and, and trained around fo focus on the outcome. Well, we really need to know what the ultimate vision is, but if we focus totally on that, then we're using people to, as stepping stones to get that instead of there to serve them in the way that they are needing to connect with us for what their needs are. And it it's becomes an adversarial type of process. How to overcome objections. To me, an objection just is telling me I didn't get a good job of explaining or that it's not a good fit, either one. You know, it's not how do I overcome it. It's just like, wow, I, I don't need to convince someone. When somebody sees it's the right fit, it's the right timing, it becomes a, you know, it's like with your wife. You didn't say, well, you're the best. Is there another doctor that's cheaper that could do? <laughs> you know, we, we want the very best for the situation when that type of situation pops up. And so it becomes an automatic. I doubt if you even asked about the money. No, in fact, the ambulance, when I ended up calling an ambulance for her because I couldn't get her to the to the car to take her. And and they, they walked her out to the ambulance and then they checked her heart. Oh, your heart's just fine. You're not having any heart issues. So you do need to go to the hospital, but um, I know it's a concern for some people, you know, to pay for an ambulance, you know, so maybe you could just take her in your own car. And I'm like, dude, she's in your, she's in your truck and I don't know what's going on. So you better just take her. Like, it's not, I, I, it doesn't matter how much it costs because I'll figure out how to cover it. I don't, right. it, 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 no amount of money matters at this point. My wife's life is worth more than any dollar amount I can put out there. <laughs> That's right. So, yes. so yeah. Well, we're, we're the same, you know, our, my number one priority and, uh, reason that I do what I do is my family. And if I was on my own by myself, <laughs> I don't know that I'd, I'd probably be, you know, selling little drinks with umbrellas on a beach somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that's it, not bad. <laughs> it, it, it just, but no, it's, um, it's an interesting, one of the inscription that uh, I write in my uh, first book is, life is an adventure enjoy the ride mm. and when we really understand this is an adventure that this is a temporal adventure we don't know the start in well we know the start date we just don't know the end date and 
you know, what do we do in between? What, what makes the ride worthwhile taking? And, you know, when we start looking at the things that are important to us of, you know, making those memories, building the, you know, uh, an impact with people around us, but our children, our grandchildren, you're probably not old enough to have grandchildren. Now. I do. He's five today. <laughs> oh, congratulations. Yeah. Uh, and my, my oldest son comes to my programs and I had said at the last event, something about, uh, you know, Matt, he's, you know, turning 40 or something. He interrupts my talk and goes, dad, I'm 41. Details. Details, details. Yeah, I love that. It, and it's important to, to have a why in that journey. But I, I love the journey analogy. Um, it So much about success is taught that there's a destination, um, that people feel like they could get someplace. Right. You know, when people tell me, and I hear this quite often, they go, we want to be just like you because you've made it. I go, you know, that means I'm on my way back. No, I, the, the more that I know, the more that I know that I don't know. So I'm looking forward to that new experience, that new level of understanding, that new possibility that I didn't even understand or know that it was even there. And, you know, I, I, Mount Everest has always been a fascination to me. And last year I was invited to go up to base camp and was, timing wasn't right. I wasn't able oh. to go. But, you know, most people on mountain climbs get hurt or die on the way back. It's not on the way up. And so when somebody says you've made it, I go, I get a little depressed. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, no, it's not about making it. It's about being on the journey. Because, you know, people look for, and I get this a lot too, where people say, what's the right road? And my answer is, well, there's only one road. We're just all at different mile markers. So find someone that is at a mile marker that where is where you want to go to and attach to that person. And then if they haven't grown, haven't moved, then there's going to be another person at a different mile marker to connect with them at a later time as well. But, you know, it just there's only one road. It's called life. Absolutely. Well, and, and, and the journey really is the, what matters, right? It's the experience, the building your business, the, the making things happen. Um, even if you get to whatever goal, right, you can't just stop. <laughs> you know, it, there's a next, there's a next step <laughs> and a next yeah. thing to do. So definitely yep. helping people recognize that there is no destination. There is no place where you've made it. So that's that's really good. I I haven't thought about if I've made it, I'm on my way back. <laughs> that's that's yeah. really good. Yeah, like, no, there's always another level. You know, the, the old movie, The Never-Ending Story. Ah, hmm, old favorite. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. So how important is character for an entrepreneur? I, Well, in a word, the word that popped into my mind as you asked it was everything. Uh, it's like, you know, as a financial planner in a lot of industries, uh, to renew your licensing, you had to take and uh, take a class on ethics. And I'm going, okay, either you have ethics or you don't. How do you teach ethics? Now, there's once in a while, there's something that's a real gray area, you know, whether or not this is kind of in the, you know, how dark is the black before you go onto the, you know, the, the, the dark side. But for the most part, it's about who you are. You know, when I was in college uh, in one of my seminary classes, um, and I asked a question that got me in trouble, actually. And this is not a, a religious type of philosophy or anything, but I asked the professor, who is actually going to be my boss, um, I said, if the Bible is a fable, if it's totally untrue, if it's totally made up in some way by somebody that wanted to do something, would you still live a Christian life on the principles of what's in the Bible? And I, I, I thought I had, you know, made the unpardonable sin. <laughs> For me is that I don't steal because it's going to get me in trouble. I don't steal because it's not congruent with who I am. And so the, the concept of ethics and character to me are the same. Now we have influences that we have growing up 
and we have sometimes we've we've all made mistakes. We've all had the the things that oh golly I didn't realize doing this was going to cause that that pain. But in the, the 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 long run is that when we do it we have remorse we have and we go to reconcile we go and to do the things that are necessary to you know pull the the ends together from the the breaks that we have caused. And so character and ethics, you know, if we don't have that, people move around industries a lot because of that, or they move around, you know, locations because they just get known as somebody that cannot be trusted. And that is another concept that I learned early on is that trust is earned. It's not something that is readily given. And so if you don't have character, if you don't have ethics, if you don't have a relationship, um people pick up on it they my wife always talked about it and your wife probably has the same feeling it's called the called the sleaze alarm (laughs) they're where they meet somebody and they look good smell good whatever but for whatever reason they have this intuitive side and i think we all have that on some degree to where we just go something's just not right i'm not either and we don't understand what it is but if we uh, to protect ourselves, it's really good to honor that nudge. Oh, absolutely. Especially if it's your wife, because I'm, I miss it a lot because I'm way too compassionate. And, and, and I think it's just part of their story, right? They're just struggling. They're just whatever. But when my wife says, oh no, get away. I, I know that I need to, I need to create some distance and, and some boundaries. And so definitely trust my wife's gut when it comes to the sleaze alarm. I love that. That was a good, <laughs> a good phrase for it. What what have mentors meant in your journey? You know, different ones at different times have meant a, a lot in my business life. I had in my well, <laughs> when I went from uh, the the ministry into real estate, uh, there was a gentleman that really took me under his wings, and even when the interest rates were high, whatever, he was really consistent. And that's where I learned it was the activity, not the results that we focused on. And when I became the number one sales realtor for this multi-large business in Southern California. And so I never focused on the, the, the results, even though the results were visible, I could see it. Um, you know, different ones throughout. I, I've been a, a student, Jim Rohn. Uh, my wife and I started, if you remember Jim, uh, we were in his first program called Adventures in Achievement uh, at the Orange Coast Hotel in Orange County, California, with Tony Robbins sitting in the front row when he was living in his Volkswagen bug. <laughs> That's how far we go back. Um, but being able to share and do things with uh, Tony, uh, with uh, uh, Brian Tracy, with Jack Canfield, with, uh, you know, I'm eclectic, uh, Norman Vincent Peale. I just love Norman Vincent Peale. You know, he had that saying, he says, you know, when I see a problem coming down the hall, I say to it, where have you been? I've been preparing for you my whole life. <laughs> he wrote the book, Enthusiasm Makes a Difference. And if I'm a word guy as well. And when you break out the word enthusiasm, what is the root meaning of the word enthusiasm is exus, which is God, ism within. It literally means God within. Oh, and so when we really start embracing word and the words we're using, how do we program ourselves for, like, I have this um, insatiable desire to eliminate. We don't try. There is no such thing as try. We have this brilliant uh uh, vision from, not vision, but uh, knowledge from Yoda. And in fact, on my car, it says no try. Um, my, well, I have Yodas all over the place. I hear do or do not, there is no try. But literally, it, it's about engagement and being having permission to walk into a room and to be able to connect with people, not subverting your subverting subordinating yourself in value to where if you see someone that you want to connect with that you can see that that mentorship that that leadership that 
association on whatever level is something that you need, desire, and then you can pass it along to other people. Mm-hmm. So we are a conglomeration of the people that we've associated with, the experiences that we've had, uh, the adversities that we have overcome, and that's what makes each of us unique and important to anyone that we you know, have the opportunity to connect with. That's so fantastic. And I'm a huge Yoda fan myself. And so, <laughs> yes, try is no longer an option. Can't is also no longer. Um, <laughs> oh, how can I? Yeah, yeah, right. Figure it out. Um, helping people understand that that problems are not obstacles to to stop you. They're obstacles to challenge you to to do something new or different and figure figure it out. Without challenge, there is no growth. Hmm. You know, if you look at the caterpillar, if you help a caterpillar out of the cocoon, the butterfly dies. It was in the strengthening of the wings of getting out of that. Uh, You look at anything that grows. I mean, any seed has to pop out of the outer or that soft inner core has to push through the outer core and then push up through the ground to get to become the, the oak tree. The, the, the thing that you look at it and go, wow, how did that little thing become that? But in essence, it, it's that struggle. If you look at most economy, world economies, where a, a flourishing population happens, it is out of adversity. There is an adversity, you know, whether it be economic, health, education, whatever it may be, religion. Uh, and I take that back. It's not religion, it's spirituality uh for me it's always a broader base but it's really that that struggle that allows us to not only like for you and i it's we don't have sympathy for individuals we have empathy because we have walked in the shoes we have experienced it it's not theory for us it's something that we can share that we can't take it away we can't make it technically better but we can share and support in a way that someone that uh, hasn't gone through that has no way of truly knowing the the impact of it. Uh, you know, in my early, early days, too, I'm a, a trained chaplain. I'm also a certified police officer, which makes me a really weird dude. <laughs> but in the chaplaincy, we had to attend our own funerals we had to write our epitaph and we were having to write what was going to be on our tombstone before we were allowed on the oncology unit to deal with people in the emergency room, death and dying. Because if we didn't do that, then we were always going to be dealing with our own mortality and that would get in the way of dealing with someone that was dealing with it in real time. And I think that also helped me when I was going through the process of having that first episode with the diagnosis of MS is that I was going back through that process that it, it, it was, you know, I, I asked people, and I'm just kind of rambling here. So if I, I if I'm starting to bore you, just tell me. No, you're, this is terrific. But I, I, I asked people, do you have faith? And it's not a religious question, but do you have faith? And almost always they say, of course I do. And I go, have you ever used it? Oh, and at that moment, you, they start to answer, and many times it just stops, and they start to think, and they go, oh, I go, so if you've never used it, it's like having a parachute that's never been opened, and you're just hoping that it is not an umbrella that pops out, but a full billowing canopy that is going to take you safely to the ground. So it's not a right or wrong again, but it's a realization that if we've never had a challenge to where we had to realize on faith, like with us that we've just gone through with our wives, where we couldn't do anything. It was totally a faith. We gave up the focus on the results. We were dealing with the day-to-day, whatever it was next on the plate, whatever we could support. At that moment, we were using the faith from the past. Absolutely. We were using our previous experiences to know that this is all that I can do. And I, it's uh, it's an interesting concept. No, absolutely. There's a couple of really good things in there. First of all, I love the idea of writing your own obituary because I think there's huge vision in that, right? How how do you want your family to remember you? How do you want your coworkers to remember you? How do you want you know your clients to remember you? 
Um, there's huge vision power in that. And, and I do love the empathy idea. Like, you know, my, having my kids grow up as missionary kids, pastor kids, um, the one thing I made sure they always knew, no matter how big your mistake was, no matter how bad something was that you did, we'll walk through it together. It's not a sin that you're going to get labeled with or somebody might, but I'm not going to. And, and we'll walk through it together. Right. We'll deal with the consequences. I can't take the consequences away um, that only our government can do that. Right. But <laughs> at least they keep trying, <laughs> you know, yeah, but, but I, can walk, I can walk the journey with you and you're not going to be alone. And that's a big thing, I think, for my clients is, yeah, we're, we're facing challenges in your business, but but let's walk through this together. And, and so I love that that thing you shared right at the beginning that, you know, it's entrepreneurship is a solo journey that you're taking in a community. And, and so that's that's so powerful. So I know you've been married for a long time. So what was your what was your most memorable date with your wife? Oh, golly. Um, the one that just popped into my mind was our uh 50th wedding anniversary, or no 50th, what am I talking about? I've already been married 47 years. Our 40th, when we had dinner on the beach in Cancun together. Nice. And, you know, it's, um, you know, to be able to look back and to be able to say, you know, how did 40 years go by so quickly? Uh, my youngest son, who's also a pastor, uh, is his main source of joy in life is wanting to convince me and my wife that we're old. She's <laughs> old. But the, the, for me, it, it's like time. How did this happen? And the memories and the, the ability to, um, well, number one, stay together because my wife and I are totally opposite. She is an analytical driver. I'm an expressive driver. We took the old Taylor Johnson temperament analysis, you know, uh, test in college. It showed that our driver personalities were off the charts for both of us and that we were going to have a train wreck. And there was actually a pool created when we were first married on how long it would take for us to get a divorce. And one of the things that we went into marriage counseling at around year 10, 11, and what he said is that, number one, we know we, and we do, and he said, you guys love each other. Yes. He says, but you have to learn how to fight fair. It's not that you're not going to fight. It's not that because you're, you're, you think so totally opposite, but you had to learn how to fight fair. And for us, it was going back to the concept that we've already talked about. It's listening. And the words we use, my wife used to say, have a fulfilling day. And I felt like she was saying, strap on a 357 engine on my back and trudge through, you know. And I, and I would say, have fun. And she goes, don't you think I'm already doing anything you know, meaningful today? <laughs> and I'm going, and all we were saying is have a good day. And so learning how to support, how to, you know, be, I'm not going to change. She's not going to change. But how do we learn to support our differences, not our similarities. And because of that, it's a never ending story. And I, it's a, yeah, it's just looking back and just enjoying the ride. That's so terrific. I, I love, love that my wife and I are, are I think opposites attract because that's what happens vibrationally. That's what happens mathematically. It's what happens <laughs> scientifically. Um, and I think that it's, it's interesting how when you recognize that the fact that you're opposites means that you, you fit together better and, and the magnetic attraction in there is, is so much stronger when you figure out that it's, it's not this, it's not her against I, right? We're, 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 we're the team, right? right? And it's her and I against the world. And so it's her and I on the journey figuring out how do we, how do we conquer this, this, this thing called life together. And, and so for me, the together is the most important part. It doesn't matter what we're doing or where we're going. And, and in fact, in this medical situation, she apologized to me. She said, I'm sorry. I said, for what? She said, well, it changes. It, it doesn't change anything. It might, change a destination or, or something. But the bottom line is you're still here and we still get to do stuff. Whatever, whatever that 
stuff is right and so for me it's about the together on the journey and i could care less if the destination ends up changing or or you know the options change but we have new options and different options um the fact that she's alive gives us options because because dead means i'd be selling umbrellas on the beach <laughs> yeah or, or worse right you know, we've had the same conversations you know <laughs> and something you just said and as a Marine, you you really know this is the concept of back to back. We face each other. Hmm. When you say you've got your back, that means that I don't have to worry about what's coming from behind. That somebody has my back, and you know that that's what the the trust and relationship is about. And you know it's it's a trust issue for most of us in anything. In fact, one of the things that I teach clients, I I ask this question, <clears throat> when somebody buys anything from or engages with anyone in any industry on any product, service, whatever it might be, what are they really buying? What is the bottom line? What are they buying? Solution. Okay. Beneath that. Uh, peace. <laughs> but, okay. So I'm going to give it to you. All right. In my belief, they're buying borrowed belief. Mm. At that moment, they're buying what you're saying is true. It's going to be beneficial. It's going to fulfill the promise, whatever it might be. When they experience the results of that connection, that's when the belief starts to transfer to them. I had a friend in college that, uh, unfortunately or unfortunately, I, I don't shop. Uh, so I got married when I was 20 and so he called me when he was close to 30 and he goes, and he's still single. And he said, Gary, I don't understand it. I'm using the same lines that you used on Sharon and they're not buying it. <laughs> you know? I'm going, okay. They're coming with baggage. They've heard these lines before. They, 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 they're, it's a totally different thing. He goes, that's not fair. I go, that's not part of the equation. And so, and he's now a pastor and he's married and really happy. You know, so it all worked out later on in life for him. But the thing is, is that when we understand that it's an honor and a privilege to start the relationship because they're buying the beliefs that we have in what we're sharing, what we're showcasing, whatever it is that that looks like, that they're trusting us a little bit. And that's an honor process. Oh, absolutely. So, Last question, just because we're time pushing, what what has contribution meant to you? Everything. <laughs> you know, it, it's when I asked, like doing this program, I mean, it's not about a monetary, it's not, it's about contributing. It's about making a difference. And in fact, part of my mission statement is to make a difference and to empower, but not my power to you, but helping you connect the power that's already within you. Oh, so good. And so when we have that, it's um, you, you don't know the impact that you're having with people in the, the about, you know, leaving a legacy is not about the number one fear, I believe, in a human being is the fear of being forgotten. And sometimes it's not about, you know, putting your name on a building. It's not doing some of these other things that, you know, big deal. But it's having an impact, even though they may forget my name, but they, you know, there was a beaver guy, you know, and he, he had this, <laughs> and it doesn't matter. So having that benefit of what you have to offer that hopefully will live on through other people, through their their mindset, their, their prism, if you will, and allow it to be a benefit to individuals that we'll never have the opportunity to meet, that to me is you know what it's all about it's what makes the journey worth taking absolutely i love that idea of leaving a legacy so what's what's gary's words of wisdom if you're sitting across from somebody you just finished that hamburger meal and you're going to leave them with the the best the best wisdom you can putting them out the door it's a question <laughs> are you a participant or are you a spectator Ooh. it's your choice nice it really is. And Absolutely. it doesn't mean really that one's better than the other. We're all spectators at some point. There's spectators that are participants because of the back 
of their room support, their personalities, their talents, their, you know, abilities lead them to. But a lot of people stand on the sidelines thinking that they're in the game. <laughs> and okay. to be a participant and to be responsible for the results, not just happenstance for whatever comes down the pike, to me, that is the most important question that we could ask ourselves. Gary, thank you so much. I've been blessed by your wisdom and just experience and some great stories. So appreciate you sharing today. Oh, it's been great. Uh, time flies by. And that's really an indication for me that it's a neat connection is that you know, all of a sudden you look down and go, how does that much time go by? <laughs> well, thank you, sir. I feel the same. Well, if you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe. We have a free gift for you at addvalue2entrepreneurs.com. We've created a collection of the top tips that have been shared on our show for entrepreneurs. Do you struggle with procrastination, putting off the work until the last minute? Well, you are not alone. Many of our clients start there. We are launching a new five-day challenge to help you take more action and make more money in your business. Each day is a 10-minute video lesson and a worksheet. If you take 15 to 30 minutes to do the worksheet, it will change your life and business and exponentially increase the amount of work you get done each day. Right now, it is only $27 and contains five of our best tools for helping you move forward. It can be found at addvalue2life.com slash action. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day.